Amen. The band renowned. Amen. All right, I got a good word for you. You ready for it? All right. You need a little help and strength from the Lord? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today. I ask you just to teach through me, Lord, the words that you have for your people, that the Spirit would catch and touch them and ignite faith in their hearts to believe you for all that you have for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we just got done with February, the month of uh, Valentine's, the month of love, 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 right? So now you're fully equipped to move out and walk in love. Is that right? You're able to love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. Are you able to do that? Are you doing that? How many of you are doing that? Amen. One minister said, uh, uh, do you have any enemies out there? And uh, everybody raised their hand except for one lady. He said, ma'am, you, you didn't raise your hand. She said, no, I don't have any enemies. Uh, they, they all died. And so I'm <laughs> I outlived them all. So. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you can't love by feelings. You have to love by an action. You have to make a decision. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to forgive this person. I'm going to say I'm sorry to this person. That is the hardest thing to do, is it not? And all the married people said, amen. Because you don't want to admit you're wrong. You want to say, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. That's your problem. You know, I, but you, it takes a humbling to say, I'm sorry. Even if you didn't do what you think was wrong, you still have to say you're sorry. You have to put your gift at the altar and go and say you're sorry to the person. And then, you know, it's amazing how all of a sudden now there's peace because you made peace. Bible says, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, right? And somebody would say, there's not much lying in me to be peaceable. Well, that's the problem. You have to have some love of God, the peace of God on the inside of you so that you can love someone else with God's kind of love. Amen? So I was uh, talking to my family uh, yesterday, and I was describing some people uh, that were going to this uh, healing service. And, uh, you know, I said, yeah, they got some, some tough situations here. And, and they said, are they elderly people? And I, I go, well, they're 65. They're older than me. I mean, I mean they're younger than me. And am I elderly? I don't know. Am I elderly? I, I, think, I think 70 is the new 40. Is that something like that? But it depends on who you ask who's elderly, right? You ask an 18-year-old, well, 50 years old, that's elderly, Okay. If you're in your 20s, you know, maybe a 60-year-old is, is elderly. So, uh, but the Bible says, the outward man perishes, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. So I am older on the inside, amen, than I am on the outside. I'm growing in the, uh, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Praise the Lord. So now that we have our love walk down, is that right? Has anybody had any situations where you had exercise love this week? Nobody wants to admit it, I know. But, but just when you think you've got it, just when you think you got a hold of it, someone comes in and messes you up, says something that makes you mad or gets on your nerves, and you go like, oh, man, I had my love walk going down so good. You know, it's easy to walk in love when you're all by yourself. It's when you come with other people. That's what messes you up, right? You heard about the guy that was praying to the Lord, said, Lord, I, 
I'm keeping your word today. I've, I've walked in all your ways. I've walked in love, and I thank you, Father, for giving me a good day today. He says, now I'm going to get up, <laughs> and I'm going to go into the world. I'm going to need your help to still continue to walk in love. Praise the Lord. Because when we uh, come to church or anywhere else, we think everybody treat, should treat us the way God treats us, you know, their special child, their special daughter and son. And so when somebody tells you, oh, you can't sit there or you can't do that, you go, they get, God wouldn't talk to me that way. You know, so we have to, like, know how to, uh, you know, tuck our own personality in. See, you can have church at home. That's easy to have church at home. But it's when you come to this church and you have people there, you have to grow and learn how to humble yourself, how to walk in love, how to put up with people. Amen? Praise the Lord. We, we, had a good, we had a good homegoing service uh, for one of uh, Sally's family, and they had a bunch of people that they were in strife for many, many years, disagreements and could not work, work things out. But when they came to the house of the Lord, hallelujah, the Spirit of the Lord was there. They got up and testified. Everybody was happy. Amen. So when you come to the Lord, come to, uh, the Lord and you come to church, let the Lord guide you and direct you. Amen. Be nice. Praise the Lord. Okay, so once we got that down, we're going to go into another uh, aspect called the believer's authority. Now, some people can't grab hold of it because they haven't been taught, they don't quite understand it, or they're afraid to take hold of it. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I said, it's called the, the believer's authority or the authority that a believer has in Christ. You said, we have authority? Yes, it was given to us by Jesus. When he went away, he said this in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. How much is all? There's nothing left, right? Everything that I have, I'm given to you. The King James calls it power. He says, Now you, after I've given you this authority, you therefore go with this power and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, right? So you ask, what's the difference between authority and power? Well, let me tell you. And you can see it here. It's almost the same. It's similar, but it's not the same. It's in Luke 9, 1, the slide says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority, two different words, over all demons and to cure diseases. He gave them, what? Power and authority. So, what is authority? Let's look at it as a traffic cop. You've seen these traffic cops, you know, on the street. And, and they have authority. They have a badge. They have a uniform. And they show their badge. And they tell cars to stop and go and do all that. But they don't have the power. If they want, like, do we have a guy there? Oh, look, he's, he's doing it, isn't he? But now, if that bus didn't want to stop, he doesn't have the power to stop it, does he? No. He has the authority, but he doesn't have the power. Jesus said, I'm giving you authority and power. That means if there's a demon or something that needs to be taken care of, I'm giving you authority, I'm giving you the badge, and the power to do it. Can I get an amen? See, that traffic cop couldn't do it, but this traffic cop could. Let's see this guy. See, this guy. <laughs> He's rough and tough and don't take no stuff, okay? <laughs> I can remember one day when I was a, just a young pastor, 
trying to do my best on, in Sunday, on Sunday. And this fellow came up to me and he goes, uh, do you ever have deliverance services here? I go, well, we have a Wednesday night service. You know, you can come to that. He goes, no, I mean deliverance, you know, where you deliver people out of a devil that has a devil. I go, you got one? <laughs> he goes, no, I don't have one, but my friend has one. I go, okay, well, uh, yeah, come on Wednesday and uh, I'll cast that wolf devil. It was a wolf. He said it was this guy, his friend, he said when they start talking to him, he manifests as a wolf. His, 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 his back kind of hunches up like this and he, his teeth kind of, you know, his, his lips kind of curl and his teeth comes out and then he pounces on him. I go, well, you bring that wolf devil to church on Wednesday and I'll cast that thing out. Meanwhile, I had to go talk to my friends. How do you do that? You know, <laughs> start reading the books, you know, like, you know, he said, well, you know, you have to take authority over it. You have the power. The devil has to listen to you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He said, oh, by the way, but you better be anointed. You better be prayed up, you know, and whatever you do, don't let it manifest because if it starts manifesting, that's going to be a hard, hard thing to, you know, take hold of. I said, okay, I, I, I think I got it. I'm ready. And so I went to the camera. I was thinking, I'm going to go to the camera guy and have him film this thing so I can show people how you cast out a devil. But then I had the second thought. Well, what if I don't, and this thing jumps on me, and they're going to say, well, look at Pastor Chuck. <laughs> this is how you don't cast out a devil. So I said, okay, I better turn it to the camera. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some uh, deacons to come alongside with me. And I didn't care if they could pray or not. I just wanted the biggest deacons I could find, because if this thing jumps on me, I need somebody to hold him down, right? So the night came, Wednesday night, I said, come early, he came early, and he looked like a normal guy, you know, you would never think that he was a wolf man, and so we went into this room, and I was talking with him, and all of a sudden, he starts, you know, the, the, the back starts hunching up, you know, his lips start curling, I start seeing his teeth, I go, okay, I can't let him manifest, I said, devil! You come out in Jesus' name. Nothing happened. I go, okay, I've I stood my ground. I have the power. I have the authority. I said, devil, you come out of him in Jesus' name. Nothing. I said, okay. I better get serious, right? I planted my feet. Greater is he that's in me. I said, I told you to come out. In, and when I did that, all of a sudden, just something lifted. His shoulders went back down. He was calm. He was peaceful. He was loving. He gave me a hug and went into the service. I said, praise God, I wish I had that on camera. <laughs> so, uh, and then I found out later on that he's, he's married now, and he's got kids, and everything's fine, you know. But there are real demons in this world, you know. The one lady called and said, uh, could you come over and, and pray, you know, because I think there's some demonic activity in my house. And so I went there and I prayed. Oh, it was so nice, so beautiful, so loving. You could feel the Holy Spirit. And then a week later, she called me, well, they're back. Oh, no. I go, well, did you let them in? What, what? <laughs> you got to live right or they'll just keep coming back, right? So the Bible says that, uh, okay, look at this. In, go back to Luke 9, 1 and 2. This is going to help us right here. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons. And look at this. And to cure diseases, he sent them to what? Preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He didn't say, go and pray to God that he would heal the sick. He said, you heal the sick. 
He didn't say, ask God to heal him. He didn't say, pray that God might have mercy and heal them. He didn't say, God will heal him in his timing. He said, go and you heal the sick. You have the power. You have the authority. Jesus never prayed for people to get healed. He just commanded them to be healed. Stretch forth your hand. Pick up your bed and walk, right? And that's what he wants us to do. So we have this delegated authority that we are not exercising. Remember when Jesus was doing the multitude, uh, uh, speaking to the multitudes, 5,000, and the disciples said, you know, Jesus, it's getting late. You know, I know your sermon's getting long. It's three chapters, and we need, to, we need to get these people home. It's getting dark. What did he say? You feed them. They said, what? Us feed them? We don't have the money. We don't, there's no stores around. What, how are you going to? And he wanted them to multiply the loaves and the fishes just like he did. Where did that come from? In the Old Testament, Elijah did that for 100 people. And so he wanted them to do it. Remember when they were walking uh, or when uh, they were in the storm? The boat was rocking. And they said, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? I like the way they, you know, like for tea, you know, don't you care that we perish? I mean, these, these are fishermen that were on the sea a long time. And they knew when they were in trouble, and they said, we're going to die. And they woke Jesus up. Jesus, what did he do? He rebuked the wind. He told the sea to be calm, and it was. And what did he say to them? Oh, ye of little faith. And they said to themselves, what manner of man is this? And if I could answer, if I could insert, I would say the same manner of man that you were supposed to be, to take authority and take charge of situations. Now, I learned this. I've been doing this for a while, okay? And uh, so I was learning from this one minister, and he used to organize conferences, and he said they were having a conference outside in the parking lot. And they had all the big-name preachers there, and they were all on the platform, and it started to rain. And he's looking up at them and saying, like, why don't they do something? These are the big-name preachers. They're supposed to do something about this. And they didn't. They were just sitting there talking and everything. And the Lord told them, you're in charge of the service. You, you do something. You, you talk to the weather. And so he said, rain, I command you to stop right now in Jesus' name. And guess what? It stopped. I said, hmm, we have power and authority over the weather, right? Now, let's look at this in Psalms 115, verse 16. It says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. He wants us to take authority. He wants us to exercise dominion in this earth, right? He gave it to us. He told Adam and Eve, go and multiply and have dominion over all things, even everything that creeps and every creeping things. Now, I'm not talking about your creepy neighbor. I'm talking about things that creeps around, <laughs> okay? Now, look at how David, David used to be out in the, uh, in the fields, right, shepherding the sheep. And he was a lost, I mean, his father didn't like him, or not didn't like him, didn't pay attention to him. His brothers didn't pay any attention to him. He's out there in the field. He's, he's shepherding the sheep, and he's singing to the Lord. And he looks up in the sky, and he says this in Psalms 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Translated Elohim means God, little lower than God. What does that mean? That means that the 
translators were afraid to put that in there, a little lower than God, because they thought the angels were higher than us, but no, we're supposed to judge angels. We command the angels to do things for us, or we command the Lord to send his angels to do things for us. And so uh, they didn't put that, but look at, this, look at this next verse. It says, And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Un, you know that song? I probably know, but maybe, maybe uh, Ruth would know. Under my feet, under my feet, I'm going to the enemy's camp. Take back what he took from us, I'm going to the enemy's camp. Take back what he took from us, he's under my feet, under my feet, under my feet, under my feet. He is a defeated, what you laughing about? He is a defeated foe. He's afraid of us. We're not afraid of him. The Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee as in terror. That means sin, sickness, disease, temptation, everything. He's got to go. We're supposed to live a happy, peaceful, quiet life. Amen? So let's take it a little further, okay? In Matthew 16, 19, he says, I will give you the, key, the keys of, kingdom, of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's a lot of pressure and responsibility, isn't it? I give you the keys. What do you do with a key? You open stuff. You close stuff. You lock stuff. He said, I'm giving you the keys. You know, this is a big uh, place, and you hit our cars, they're, they're nice. But if you don't have the key, you can't go anywhere. You can't come in here at all, right? You might be, you know, the pastor here, but if you don't have a key, you're going to be outside. Praise the Lord. And Jesus said, I give you power and authority, and I give you the keys to unlock the blessings that God has for us, and to close things that are not of God. Amen? That, that is so good. Praise the Lord. Now, we have that ability. We are, we are ambassadors. We are God's you know, hands and feet in this earth. Did you know that? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. God is on the throne. The Holy Spirit here is to help us. Who's in charge? We are. Amen? He gave us dominion over the works of his hand. He said, you guys, you guys, I want you to do it. I'm delegating it to you. Not only delegated, uh, you inherited it. You're a son of God. You're supposed to command some things to happen, right? But it comes from uh, being in close relationship. The Bible says that we're ambassadors. What's an ambassador? Ambassador carries the very thing of the country that they represent to wherever they're going. We're representing heaven. We're from the country of heaven living here on the earth. We live by his principles and his standards, right? But we can only do that when you spend time. You can't be an ambassador, an independent ambassador, and say just anything that you want to say. You have to find out what God has said, and then when you speak it, you decree a thing. You command it to happen. Amen? But you've got to get the mind of God. You've got to get the will of God. And that's what Jesus did. He said, I only do those things that I see my Father do. Now, that word see is not like visual see, it's perceive, feel, understand. Some things you don't need to get a scripture, I mean, you don't need to get an unction from. You just know that's what you're supposed to do. If you see somebody that's poor, you're supposed to help them, amen? See somebody that's sick, you're supposed to pray for them. That's just what you do, amen? You don't go like, mm, I wonder if the Lord wants me to pray for that person. Yes, he does, amen? So let me take it to the extreme, because a lot of times I hear people do things, and I said, I didn't know that God would do that. 
Have you ever heard, have you ever listened to a minister and he tells you something and you go like, wow, I didn't know that God would do that. Praise the Lord. So let's look at this. This minute, one minister that I heard, he was uh, uh, doing a, a meeting in a different state and they called him and they said, you better come home because your mom, she's only got a few more days left and you better come and, and be by her side. I'll be right there. So he closed the meeting down, came, and the doctor said, yeah, she's in bad straits. She only got a couple of days left. And he said, okay. So he went into the little chapel area, and he started praying to God. He says, you know, Lord, I know it's kind of selfish that I would want to keep my mom here, because, you know, heaven's a better place. But she's been so good to me, and I've lost my dad, and I want to be with her. And she's worked so hard to keep me, you know, provide for us. And now I'm in a position where I can help her and provide for her and give her a nice life and have her spend time with me. She's 69 years old, and you said in your word that we're promised 70, or by reason of strength, 80. He said, well, I'm not going to be mad at you if she goes home to be with you, but I'm going to remind you every day that I'm here on earth that you didn't keep your promise. And then when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be mad. I'm just going to remind you for 10,000 years <laughs> that you didn't keep your promise. And I thought to myself, can you talk to God that way? Well, you do already. You, know, <laughs> you say stuff that I'm going, oh, man, you talk to God that way? You, know, you say how upset and how discouraged you are and why aren't you here, Lord? Why don't you do this? So he, he's not offended by that. So you know what the Lord told him? He says, I'll do what you say. I give you the keys. I give you power. I give you authority. So sure enough, she got healthy. She got well. And then at 80 years old, she told her son, you know, I think it's time for me to go. I think I'm going to leave now. And he said, Mom, I think you're right. 80 years old, she went home to be with the Lord. We have control and destiny over our lives. We can speak to these things. You know, they, here's the saying that's not in the Bible. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone. I said, that's not true. He promised us 70 years, or by reason of strength, 80. But we have to, by faith, believe for that. Amen? Have protection and have uh, freedom from, from disease and all these things. Like when I had the lymphoma cancer, I said, okay, well, Lord, you know, if that's it, I'm ready to, you know, check in. I'll come back. And not, not so. Not so. He said, you're going to be here for a while. I go, okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So the Bible said, okay, look at this in Mark 13, 34. Am I encouraging you? to take authority, to take Amen. dominion over the works of God's hands. He's given, given us that. Yes. Mark 13, and here's an illustration of this. Jesus is talking, he goes, uh, the kingdom of God is like a man going to a far country, right? This is Jesus, he went to a far country. He left his house and gave authority to his servants. Gave what? Authority to his servants and to each his work. That means we're supposed to be doing something. We have a work that we're supposed to do. you got to find your work. you got to, you know, my wife is really good. She works HR. She can look at a person, look at their resume, or look at the way they are. Say, I think you would be good in this, or you'd be good doing that. And sure enough, it comes to pass. She was able to do it. Before she was even in HR, she did it even, God gave her that gift to be able to do that. I mean, she thought, hey, this is, I think you'll be a good husband, so I praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> It took a little work, but we got it. Okay, praise God. So he's going to give you a work to do and commanded the doorkeeper to keep watch. So he left, and when he comes back, 
he expects them to be doing their job. Is that not right? And so he didn't want them to put a picture of him up there on the wall and go, oh, we just love you, Master. You're such a great Master. We, we enjoy you. You're so good. And not do the work. But that's what we do sometimes. We're in church. Oh, God, we love you. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And we don't do nothing. And he's saying, you need to occupy till I come. That means do business. Do some things. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Ocu- Jesus said, I must be about what? My father's business. This is a business that God wants us to do. He wants us to take charge and do the things that he's called us to do. We are workers together with him. So we must be an ambassador. And so what does an ambassador do? They speak the words of the president or whoever's in charge. So when you speak, what are you supposed to speak? The Word of God. You're supposed to find what you need in the Word of God, begin to confess it and say it and believe it, and then it comes to pass. I don't know how it works that way, but that's the way it is. Faith comes by hearing the Word and believing it, speaking out of your mouth, and it happens. Jesus wants us to talk, confess the Word. The Bible says He is the... um, uh, What is that word? uh, He is the... um, not the mediator. Let me see if I can find what, what he is. He is the, uh, I don't use this word very much, so that's why I'm having a hard thing. Time. Uh, I can't, uh, he's the, um, Marianne, you probably know what it is. <laughs> Here's my help come from the back. <laughs> he, he's the, uh, something of our confession of faith. No. Yeah, he's, he's all that. He's all that. He is the uh, mediator or he's the high priest of our confession. I knew I would get it sooner or later. Amen. He is the high priest of what? Our confession. If you don't say anything, nothing happens. Oh, I'm just waiting on God. Maybe God will come through. Where is God anyway? Well, speak it out of your mouth. How do you get saved? You spoke it out of your mouth. I tell the story, if, you, if the people are getting married, and the bride comes down, and the pastor says, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold in sickness and in health, to death do you part, and he doesn't say anything, what happens? Nothing. Everybody goes home. And the pastor said, well, why didn't you say you, I do? Well, everybody knows I love her. Everybody knows I, I, did, I bought all these flowers. I got all the arrangements. Everybody knows that I love her. No, you got to speak it out of your mouth. Amen? How did you get saved? With the mouth, confession is made. With the heart, man believeth. Amen? Amen. So uh, you have to do that. Now, I found, when I was going to school, how many of you went to school? Uh, <laughs> I found out that when they, when they give a test and they ask you a question like, uh, what do you think about, what caused the Civil War? And, okay, you're a history teacher, right? English teacher. Close enough. <laughs> Make it work. <laughs> okay, you're a teacher though, right? Okay, so they, when they had the question, what, what do you think started the Civil War? Well, I put my, what I thought. You know, the things that I thought it was that, that started it. And so I turned it in, I got my paper back, it was a C. Oh, ha, see, I wrote, that was a good paper. And my friend said, yeah, but you didn't put down what was in the book, what's in the textbook. They don't care what you think. 
They want to know, did you read the book? And just spit back what you read. I go, oh, I got it. So the next time they had a test, they asked, what do you think about this? I just went to the book. I said, okay. I, I practically copied it out of the book. You know, it was one of those open book tests. I just said, okay, I think that just, da, 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 da. and I handed it in. I got an A. And I said, don't you know, I just took it right out of the book. They didn't care. They wanted to know, are you speaking the word that I gave you? What does God care if you speak the word that he gave you? Amen? Do you know that when you speak God's word, it's just like he's speaking it? It has power. It has authority. It does things in our lives. So you have to speak it. But God, the devil tries to keep us like dumbfounded and, and silent and quiet. You know, when you're hurting, you go, you just don't, you have to say something. You have to say something. The Bible says that he watches over his word to perform it. So when you're speaking God's word, he hears his word, and then he enacts it, and he, takes, he does it, right? Another illustration, and we're getting towards the end, so I don't want you to get too bored. But um, <laughs> in Jeremiah, I said he watches over his word to perform it. Now, for instance, if a father tells his son... Go out and tell your brother to come on inside because we're going to have dinner. So the son goes out and says, hey, Billy, uh, come on in. And he comes back in and he says to the dad, he didn't come in. Go out there and tell him again. Hey, Billy, come on in the house. He comes back in. The dad, he's not coming in the house. He goes, go tell Billy that I said, come in the house. So he went in there and Dad said, come in the house. Oh, okay. Right? What do you say? In Jesus' name, <laughs> you quote what God said, and then it'll come to pass. Amen? If you're saying it, who are you? Amen? In Jesus' name, come out. Amen? So what, is it, what does a king do? A king, we're, we're kings and priests unto the Most High. Did you know that? You, you may not see your royal, royal robe, but you have one. You're a king and you're a priest. And what does a king do? He decrees the thing. He establishes it. He speaks it out, and it happens. When the king says something, people don't go like, oh, you know, that's just the king. No big deal. No, they do whatever he says. And so when we speak, things happen. The angels come in, and they do things, and they hearken until the voice of the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. So... Uh, I learned this another time from this guy, Smith Wigglesworth. You've heard me talk about him before. And uh, he's an amazing guy, what he's done. I always gotten into the spirit of the Lord. And so he was, he was a you know, finely dressed man, very well proper. And he bought a new, a new uh, stopwatch, not stopwatch, a pocket watch. You ever have one of those? I had one of those for a while. But, you know, be bad. You, know. you can't play baseball with it, though. You know, it's like... So I used to walk around with it, you know. And so he had it. And he just bought it, and it fell to the ground, and it hit the cement, and it wasn't working. And you know what he said? And I used this. He said, this ought not be. And he picked it up, and it started working. So I took that by faith and said, I can say that. I can do that. So in our previous job, we're in the office, and if the computer wasn't working, what'd they say? Pastor Chuck, come on over here. Speak to this computer. This ought not be. And it would work. I don't know how that works, but I was just going off of someone else's faith that did that. And I said, praise the Lord. That's great. So we have to keep saying, keep believing, keep uh, expecting God to work. My last uh, scripture 
is that uh, the woman with the issue of blood, you remember her? She saw Jesus, she heard about Jesus, she said in her heart or out of her mouth, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. She said it, not once, not twice, but the Bible says she continually said it. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And when she touched him, she got healed. But what about everybody else? They were touching him too, but they didn't touch him with the with faith, with the touch of faith, right? Where did that faith come in? From her mouth, from her confession. God listens to you. He's watching you. He wants to hear your faith come out of your mouth. And when you do, he will enact it in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us power and authority over the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt us. We thank you, Lord, that you give us the power to speak to situations, cause them to come to pass. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have communion right now, and that's uh, what Jesus has asked us to do, to remember him. He said, as oft as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. We want to remember the sacrifice that he made for us. He couldn't mail it in. He had to come down to earth and actually do what the Father has ordained for him to do. So, Father, I'm just going to pray over the elements. Father, I just thank you that this bread that's symbolic of his body was given to us. The blood that was shed is symbolic in the cup that we're about to drink. And I thank you, Lord, that it washes us from sin. It brings us close to him and to be in the family of the Most High. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. I sense his presence right now. He's with us. He's with us. I thank you, Lord God. Praise your sweet Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise your name, Lord God. Praise your name. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come. And as we enact the Last Supper, as we do it in remembrance of him, we thank you that you're here by your spirit. We give you praise and glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's take the bread symbolic of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He made the greatest sacrifice for us. He gave his life for us. So, Father, I just thank you for Jesus. We take this in remembrance of him. Play, play, sing it real soft. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. If you haven't taken the cup, take and drink of the cup, symbolizing the blood that was shed for us. I worship you still. the Lord. He is so good, is he? Isn't he? You know, for those of you that came late, uh, we had a testimony. I'm going to ask her to come up again and just show you what the Lord can do. Uh, Veronica, she said she was on uh, this cane for 14 years, not five years, 14 years. But in an instant, the Lord healed her. Why don't you come up, Veronica? Just show him how you can walk. She's going to go home and show her husband. He's, he's going to go, what happened to you? You are, she's upright. Look at you. Amen. So, We're going to close the service after Ron sings, and we're going to turn off the, uh, the broadcast.